Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Well, what's going on, everybody? Curtis Wilkerson here coming to you today with another episode of Hog Hoops Live, our first of the SEC basketball season. Wasn't the start the Hogs were hoping for as they were shorthanded. Fell on the road to Mississippi State. We'll talk about all that, see if we can identify some of the things that this group can maybe fix quickly. We'll take a look at the upcoming slate and we'll answer all your questions. All that coming your way and more on Hog Hoops Live. All right, everybody, you know the drill right away. I do want to remind everyone how to watch and listen. Uh, obviously, you can join us on Facebook Live. Be sure to give us a follow there. Also available on YouTube if you haven't done so already. Please subscribe to our YouTube page. Hit that notification bell. Remember, Hog Hoops Live has its own separate YouTube page where we upload all of these videos as well as our live reactions following some of these basketball games. If you're the podcast type, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. We're there right where you can find Hog Sports Live with Trey every week. All right, I'm kind of putting you guys in charge today. Going to break some of this madness down, but I'm going to be answering a lot of questions uh, as well, so get those in the chat if you have them. Um, well, Arkansas falls at Mississippi State last night, 81-68. to You know, listen, it's it's been hard enough to win in Starkville for this team anyway. I think they're, they were something like 7-22 and in Starkville all time. Uh, haven't won a game there since I think about 2015. So this is going to be a daunting task, I think, anyway, for the Razorbacks. You know, and as as we get close to lunchtime yesterday, start hearing some rumblings that J.D. Note is going to be unavailable. As we get closer to tip-off, I've, I've got a, a really good source telling me that, you know, the Hogs are actually going to be missing a, a few guys. Uh, and, and as it turns out, uh, you know, J.D. Note and Chance Moore were out with an, an illness. I'll let you connect those dots there. Uh, Kamani Johnson's been suspended indefinitely. Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not going to dive into the specifics on that, but I, I don't expect him to be back anytime particularly soon. So, you know, really that leaves Arkansas without its leading scorer, uh, the SEC leader in steals, probably also its most physical interior presence for the first true road test of the year in a place where you rarely have success with a team that, that is very much still trying to figure it out. So, you know, if there's a recipe for a bad night, that's it, right? Uh, but, hey, as Eric Musselman said after the game, and I quote, we got on the plane to compete and win the game. We were down bodies, but we're not excuse makers, and we're not going to go we're not going to not go play a game because if we have enough bodies to go play, I'm going to play. That's how I was raised. Same here, coach. So let's run through this, right? Honestly, it, it felt like Arkansas really mostly did what it needed to do in the first half. Now, don't get me wrong. Neither team looked particularly good, uh, but I think that's kind of what you get when with the way Mississippi State plays. And honestly, the Hogs kind of needed to make this one ugly themselves. Uh, given the circumstances, right? So, uh, you know, another shakeup to the starting lineup. I I think that's just going to be the way it is until they find something that works. But I uh, went with Likes, Devo, Jackson Robinson, Trey Wade, and Jalen Williams. And, you know, I, I thought Arkansas did some things well defensively in that first half. I was, I was impressed with the way they competed on the glass and in the paint, which was a, a huge concern kind of coming into the game because the Bulldogs are huge. That's a big physical team it's kind of in their dna there in starkville um you know 
a pretty decent start. I mean, Trey Wade hits a three. Nice catch-and-shoot look. Jackson Robinson knocks down a couple. That's what you want to see. Aldis Tony shows signs of life, right? He, he came in and knocked down a catch-and-shoot three. So those were some promising signs. I, I thought they did a nice job of navigating around some foul trouble. Um, you had Devo and Tony miss really uh, about half of the first half in foul trouble. But they got around that, and you go into halftime, you're only down by two. And I, I think given what you were missing, given the circumstances, you take that every time if you're Arkansas. Now, unfortunately for them, um, you know, the wheels kind of fell off there in the second half, and, and we started seeing more of the same things that have haunted this team throughout the early portions of the season. You know, the offense got stagnant, kind of careless and sloppy. Shot selection started to dip. And, and then meanwhile, on the other end, Mississippi State's guards, you, you talk about Iverson, Molinar, uh, Shaquille Moore, uh, Rocket Watts getting involved, DJ Jeffries, those guys really started driving it down Arkansas's throat. Uh, and they really dominated in the paint and on the glass most of that second half. Uh, it, it was a, it was kind of one of those tell of two half situations, right? I noticed it was like 11 minutes into the second half. Arkansas had three total rebounds. That is crazy. That, that's just it. Just ain't gonna cut it. And so the Razorbacks got doubled up on the glass after the break. There, uh, really. For the most part, it's kind of a contrast in styles, right? Arkansas likes to get up and down a little bit. Mississippi State likes to slow it down uh, and, and play a, at a lower tempo. I thought the Bulldogs controlled the pace of the game for the most part. Um, and, and honestly, without Note, uh, maybe Arkansas was okay with that to an extent. But even when they didn't and the game did speed up, I, I thought Mississippi State executed better than Arkansas did, uh, to be quite honest, on the break. So... Um, you know, the Bulldogs shot 28 free throws to just 14 for Arkansas. And, and really, um, it, it was a little lopsided on the foul calls there, I, I think, in the second half for a while. But this was more about the Hogs, I think, not being as aggressive to the cup and around the basket that, more than it was a disparity. Uh, you know, Arkansas turned it over 17 times, which was converted into 25 points for Mississippi State. I mean, you just aren't giving yourself a chance to win games uh, when you have some things piling up on you like that. I thought Stanley Mude was a nice bright spot. He had 19 points, led the team. You know, this is a guy that's been slumping, uh, had high expectations coming in, probably hasn't lived up to him, uh, but he fits the bill when it comes to the type of length and athleticism that I think plays on the SEC level. I hope he can build on it uh, because Arkansas needs some more complementary pieces to give them consistency in the scoring department. And uh, quite frankly, I, I think he needs to be one of those guys. So he needs to improve on some things defensively. I, I think he could probably, with his athleticism, give or provide more of a boost on the glass. But, I mean, 19 points right there in his first SEC game on the road, pretty good. 7 of 12, he was pretty efficient. He missed his first four shots, but then made seven of his last eight, uh, hit a couple threes. Really hope to see that kind of get him going. I think that would be big for the Razorbacks moving forward. Devo battled foul trouble. Um, you know, he only played 26 minutes. Like I said, he missed, I think, about the last 10 minutes of the first half when he picked up a second foul. Um, he was all right. He gave you 15 points, five boards, four assists, only a couple turnovers. Um, okay. Jalen Williams had a, had a pretty decent stat line, nine points. It was, it was nice to see him looking... Uh, to score it a little bit more, although it was still hesitant or, or maybe a little uncomfortable. He did take 10 shots, um, you know, had seven rebounds in there, six assists and only two turnovers. So nice to see him kind of flip the script there uh, over the last couple games and, and kind of get back to distributing and facilitating the way he has, which kind of makes him a unique player, right? But um, I do think that Tulu Smith from Mississippi State, their big man, worked him over pretty good uh, for a majority of the game in the paint. You know, Chris Likes was a guy who needed to pick up some slack. It was kind of a rough night for him. He, he made a few plays, but he had four costly turnovers in there. Uh, really struggled defending uh, Moore and, and Rocket Watts in particular. Jackson Robinson was pretty good, 2-7 from three. I like to see him kind of hunting that three-point shot and, and you know, just, just being aggressive looking for it. That's a sign of confidence, I think. 
Uh, and then he was kind of impacting the game in other ways. He had seven rebounds, which is huge for him playing it at six, seven on the wing. Um, and then when Devo was out, I was surprised to see Jackson spend some time defending Iverson Molinar, who's one of the best guards in the SEC. So uh, maybe they're starting to see some of that promise. I mean, he, he looks the part. He kind of fits the profile of a guy who could be a good perimeter defender. But he's still young, needs to get stronger and things like that. But I think that's a sign that he's making progress there too. So I think the future is really bright still for Jackson Robinson, no doubt. But, man, after that, you know, you just didn't really get much. Um, you know, against a, a big physical Mississippi State team, you need guys like Connor Vanover, uh, Aldis Tony, Trey Wade. They, they really didn't provide a lot for you there. You know, Wade got the start. He played 23 minutes. He didn't grab a single rebound. So, uh, you know, it was a tough one. What's your vibe with this team right now? I'd be curious to hear what, what some people think. I mean, I'll be honest, mine's not great. And and to me, look, it's not it's not being bent out of shape because they lost at Mississippi State. Uh, it's not overreacting to one game without J.D. Note. It, it, it's more or less about it being just kind of another example of this team being near the halfway mark of the season and not really showing a lot by way of, of growth. And improvement and that's kind of my concern with this group right now if, if it was a one-off eh, wouldn't wouldn't be that big of a deal but really we're 13 games in and they haven't put together a full 40 minutes uh, and kind of seem to be trending in the wrong direction so um, you know some things to work on right like, what is this team's identity right now what can they hang their hat on what, what's the calling card for this group what do they do consistently well on either side of the ball? Hell, who are five guys you can put on the floor and know what you're going to get from them on a nightly basis? I'm not trying to be harsh or gloom and doom or anything. I'm really not. Uh, I've been optimistic about this group most of the year, but I don't think there are any clear answers to those questions right now. And look, hey, I'm fully aware of the turnaround that they had last year, Uh and it could happen again, absolutely could. The, the talent is there, the coach is there, uh, but this ain't last year's team, right? And I think the problems are a little greater, and, and there's more of them. So there's some things to figure out here. You know, Do I think this team is going to get better? Absolutely, I do. Come on now. Uh, do I trust Must to figure it out? Of course, we have no reason not to. But I think I can also be honest with myself and all of you in saying that you know the fact that several issues – that are plaguing this team right now weren't taken care of during what was quite frankly a soft non-conference schedule. That's a, that's a concern. And every day that passes is one day less for them to figure it out. And there, there's no more breaks on this schedule. You know, if you think that Vandy coming into Bud Walton next week is going to be a cakewalk, I've got bad news for you. They're better this year. Texas A&M, same thing going on the road there. That is not a guaranteed win. So uh, Arkansas is going to have to make some improvements and, and figure some things out within themselves uh, because they need to win these next three games. Vandy, Texas A&M, and Mizzou. Very important stretch. You know, it's interesting seeing Muss. You know, I don't think he should be having to talk about things like, you know, the team needing to play hard for 40 minutes and having a, a competitive fire after an SEC game. And I think that's that's kind of where you start with the fix because I, I don't want to just sit here and say these are the the 10 things that are going wrong well okay how, how do they how do they fix them because you expect this team to get better and, and make improvements right I think that's where it starts you know every team is different they respond in different ways so to me I think the first challenge here for Eric Musselman is to figure out you know what what's going to resonate and kind of get this group to come together and really start bringing it consistently because we've seen so many spurts, but they, like I said earlier, they haven't put together that full 40 minutes yet. Right. I think it starts with that energy, that fire, you know, somehow I think this group has to regain kind of that chip on the shoulder mentality. And quite frankly, they need it. Listen, the, the target is off your back at this point. Arkansas is not, an NCAA tournament team, and it's 
early to be talking about that. Plenty of times to rectify that that situation, right? But given the resume right now, they're on the outside looking in. So they've got work to do, right? This isn't a group that's feared. If anything, teams are smelling blood in the water right now when they're facing the Razorbacks. So how can they flip that into fuel and motivation the way we saw last year? So, you know, what are the fixes? I, I think it starts with just getting that competitive edge. <clears throat> and then you remember how many times have we heard Eric Musselman say those three E's, effort, energy, and enthusiasm. Those are things that he preaches. It starts there. Right. And, and then on the floor, man, it's it's like uh, it's like those Facebook relationship statuses. Right. It, it's complicated. And you could go in a lot of different directions. And, and I, I think, <clears throat> at least in my opinion, the defense could be something that comes along a little bit quicker because I think at least a decent amount of that can be controlled by effort. So, you know, I, we've seen this group play some really good basketball defensively against good teams I always go back to that Hall of Fame classic in Kansas City man the intensity and the energy that they played with on the defensive end even though they still made some mistakes you know got beat on some back doors uh, struggled against the dribble drive a bit whatever but just their sheer intensity was overwhelming at times and they really locked up they made other teams uncomfortable I think that could be the first thing that they get back to doing I really do uh, you know, from there, it seems to me that maybe putting an emphasis on, on guarding the ball and limiting dribble penetration has got to be priority number one because that's where a lot of this stems from. Um, and they've got the athletes to do it. You know, Devo Davis, J.D. Note, you look at the at the build and the makeup of some of these guys, uh, giving up straight line drives against a pressure man defense is a killer, and they've got to be able to do a better job of keeping their man in front. So how, how do they do that? Do they adjust and, and maybe pack it in a little bit to have guys more readily available in help position? Uh, do they apply a little bit less ball pressure and, and give a little bit more cushion uh, to keep guys in front? I don't know. We'll see. But I think if they are able to solve that issue, at least to a degree, it can fix a lot of the problems uh, that are going on on the defensive end. I do think they're going to need one of those athletic wings like a maybe probably an Audis Tony to really be able to guard some high-level players. I mean, you're going to have a run here where almost every night there's going to be a future draft pick on the wing for the other team. Who's going to guard that guy? And and sometimes it'll be a, you know, a smaller guard or whatever. You can stick Devo on him, and that's great. But you're going to see those guys that are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, kind of freakish athletes. Who's going to lock them up? I think Tony can be that guy. He's got some things he's got to work through himself. I think he can be that guy. On the offensive end, it, it just it seems um, disconnected. Maybe is the word. Uh, I mean, it's it's easy to to kind of point at the point guard play. The, the truth is, there really isn't one on this team, and that's okay if there's continuity and chemistry with the guys on the floor and there, there's not right now and it doesn't really matter what combinations are being used so I don't know what the disconnect is there that's something to work through um, you know if I'm must at, at this point in the half court offense I probably would start to micromanage a little bit more you know and, and you want guys to be able to play with freedom and and, and they'll still do that but um, you know maybe if he wants a particular look for a particular guy uh, he might have to start forcing the issue more with set plays and actions to create those. And, and I also think in doing that, it places a heavier emphasis on some of the fundamental struggles that we've seen, like simply setting quality screens or knowing how to set your man up and utilize those screens, making proper secondary reads off of those, things like that. Could probably improve fairly quickly on... Uh, just getting some more second chance opportunities. You know, really, they're, they're scoring it all right for the most part, honestly. I mean, I think they're at, what, like 80 points per game. So that that's not bad, right? I think it's just the fact of it being not super efficient. It gets a little clunky at times, and it comes in waves. So things they can do uh, to kind of streamline, you know, the, the chemistry and get everybody connected on the floor um, and just have it more consistently. So there are ways 
that this group can improve. So I think there are some quick fixes where you can see some improvement right away. Uh, but it is going to be a process to get these guys going. And it's top to bottom, right, from, from staff to the very last player on just everybody being fully bought in, uh, you know, and, and kind of finding that identity and getting it going. Okay. Like I said, it's going to be a pretty uh, pretty question-heavy show. So I do have a handful of questions from our, our Hog Sports subscribers over on the Razor's Edge message boards that I'm going to get to, uh, and then I'm going to jump right into the chat. Looks like we got quite a few in there too. So let's just get right into it. Um, let me pull these up real quick. All right. From Swish Muscleman. Swish Muscleman is, is obviously someone who knows what's going on with Coach, right? He says, we know Muss will be selective in the portal this offseason. What do you think is the most important position of need? Um, you know, a lot of people would probably point to a true point guard uh, at this time. And, you know, I think you've also got to look at, you know, kind of what you got coming in with a guy like a Darian Ford, uh, really more of a combo guard, but he could fill some time there. Nick Smith, who's going to be, uh, an incredible player, by the way, but going to be kind of a ball-dominant guy. So I don't know if that would be as high on my priority list as some other things. Really, uh, if it was me in the transfer portal this offseason, I would I would definitely be very selective, and I would want not only proven high major production, but I would want a significant track record of success from beyond the arc. I think this team needs guaranteed three-point shooting. I don't care what position it's at, on the wing, a stretch forward, whatever. Uh, and then just just some length slash athleticism inside. It seems like there's a lot of these these SEC teams that have, you know, that 6'9 guy with a 7-foot wingspan uh, that can run the floor and, and can be switchable defensively. And I think that would be something that could really complement what you have in Jalen Williams nicely. Uh, so I, I think those would probably be the, the two things that I would really focus most heavily on. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We've had several who have asked about, you know, whether or not this NIL stuff has uh, impacted Devo. Maybe it's gone to his head or, or he's showboating out there. <clears throat> um yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know about that. Um, to me, I think Devo's always been, just thinking back to his high school days, he's kind of been like a flashy player, right? He plays with some flair about him. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that getting some NIL deals has, has impacted that. I mean, maybe it has. I don't, I don't know. I don't talk to him on a daily basis or anything. But if anything, I think he's just kind of coming out of his shell more and, and, and is more comfortable you know, he's not a true freshman anymore. He's uh, supposed to be one of the leaders on this team. I think that's just kind of the way he plays. I think there's a you know an adjustment period when you're going from uh, kind of being that fourth or fifth option in the lineup to being a guy who is point guard. And you need him to score. You need him to take on the biggest defensive assignment every night. So he's got probably got a lot going on right now, and I, I think that leads to some of the uneven play, but. You know, overall, I, I think he's been quite a bit better lately, and uh, and hopefully that that carries over in some consistency. Because if he's the Devo uh, that he was, you know, at the back half of SEC play last season, going into postseason play, Arkansas is a way better team. 
Oe B Hogs says, uh, "Oh, yeah, he had a, had a few questions. I'm picking one of them. I'll, I'll get back to the other ones on the boards later." Uh, but he asks, "Who will step up and become the leader of this team?" A couple talk about leading, but haven't followed up with leadership action on the court. Yeah, I, I I've been thinking about that a lot, and I have two answers for you. Honestly, um, I think you need at least one of those guys who's a returner, who's been there in the system, understands the culture, and helped laid the foundation. And it doesn't matter who that is. It, you know, we a lot of talk has been about Devo and Jay Will. It could be, I think it needs to be someone who plays a significant role, maybe JD. Um, you know, if, if he can be that guy, he doesn't seem like the most vocal guy, but I would probably say either Devo or Jalen Williams uh, with the been there, done that mentality. But I also think it's important to have a different voice involved. You know, you, you do it, it. It's interesting. You know, those two guys are both sophomores. You have a lot of upperclassmen in the room now, and I think there needs to be a balance there. So if one of those transfers can step up and be a voice alongside one of those returning guys, I think that's where you really can kind of start to get things to mesh together. So, uh, you know, when Arkansas is going through their struggles after those two losses, Musselman mentioned uh, Chris Likes and Stanley Amude as a couple guys who had kind of increased uh, their levels of being vocal at practice and, and displaying some positive leadership. I... I think Stanley Amude could be that guy. What you need, though, is is for him to play consistently and produce on the floor because it's twofold. You got to lead by action, and then you have to lead with your voice, right? But but those would kind of be the guys that I would I would think uh, could step up and kind of assume that role. Stanley's a smart kid, man. He's he's really well spoken, uh, has a good head on his shoulders. I, I think that he could be a guy that really factors in there. DBJ Hog 23 had he had some rapid fire questions for me, so I'm going to roll through those pretty quick. Uh, first one is is Jalen playing through injuries? Um, you know I I think he's probably yeah feeling the effects of some things. I don't know that for sure, but uh, you know this is a guy who missed practice time in the preseason with an ankle, and then came back. Um, doesn't seem like he's quite as explosive as as maybe we expected. Could that be impacting him? Uh, maybe so. You know, and then he missed one of the exhibition games with back spasms. You see him out there quite a bit in, in warm-ups and things. Uh, he's got, you know, the kind of the little back brace thing on. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't I don't know that he's 100%. I don't know that anybody is, though, at this point in the season. I thought maybe we'd see him a little bit rejuvenated after getting a few days off, and I think he was a little bit. He, he played 36 minutes in that game last night. That might be a career high. If it's not, it's close to it. Why is Kamani still on the team? Well, he is indefinitely suspended for now. We'll, we'll see what that turns into. Um, again, I, I don't want to. I'm not really going to get into the details of what went down there, but uh, that is a, a couple instances now uh, that have been less than ideal for him. So we'll we'll see what his future holds. Why does Must let likes take terrible shots, turn it over, take him out for a minute, and put him right back in? Well, I I, I think there's two parts to that. One. Um, I think given his track record previously, and at some point it's about what have you done here, I understand that, but I think given the makeup of his game previously, he was a guy that was brought in here uh, to complement J.D. Note and, and his shot creation. So that comes with some bad shots from time to time. Uh, I think that's part of it, so he, he does have some of the green light there. Uh, in terms of the turnovers, he had a bad night last night, but honestly, uh, for a majority of the season, he's limited the turnovers, it's been more about maybe the shot selection uh, and then taking him out for a minute and putting him right back in. I, I think he's, he's still got some trust in uh, a guy that's, you know, scored over a thousand points has played at a high level. And then uh, it's also about who subs in for him. It's one thing to take a guy out, but if the guy that you put in isn't doing anything to stay on the floor, well, chances are you're going to make another move at some point, especially with a guy like likes, because you just know, that the potential is there for impact, right? Scoring burst, getting to the free throw line, things of that nature. So I think that's what you got going on there. Um, why do you think Musk doesn't try to recruit big men more? I don't know. I, <laughs> no, I, I know I know he likes the positionless 
kind of style of basketball, and and so that kind of calls for guys to you know just all be in that you know six 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 seven ish range, so they can be switchable defensively. Uh, you know, makes things a little easier in a way on the defensive end, and and makes things you know potentially more fluid offensively. But um, I do think this group would benefit from not only some more size and physicality, but just length um, and athleticism in the front court. You, you got a guy like a like a Jordan Walsh coming in in this recruiting class. He's six seven, super long. Uh, probably a guy that can they'll really play a lot at the three four. But um, again, I, I think if you complement Jalen Williams with somebody who uh, brings great length, you know, rim running ability, mobility, athleticism, that would help this group a lot uh, next season. Tony seems to have regressed lately. What can this be attributed to? I, listen, your guess is as good as mine. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, for the first eight games of the season, he was just on a completely different level than everybody else in terms of just his his energy uh, and his activity levels around the basket. And and there there has. There's been a big drop-off there. When you see things like that, you always wonder about injuries. And we asked about that and uh, apparently that's not the case. I I don't know if I necessarily believe that because I I just can't pinpoint anything else um, that could be going on there. You know, teams have adjusted to his his cutting and crashing the offensive glass, but you know he made his living in other ways at Pitt. Uh, and this is a guy who you know is is very much talented enough to be producing more than he has the last several games. So I don't know if it's a slump. You never know what a guy has going on, you know, in their mind or at home or whatever. I, I don't know, but uh, there's definitely so, something going on there. And Arkansas needs him uh, to be the guy that he was early in the season. Uh, really just a tremendous talent. So I do hope that, you know, whatever's going on, he, he can kind of get it turned around for his sake and the team. Are we in for a long season? Maybe. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I I like to give the benefit of the doubt. I've I've remained optimistic about this group all season, but I don't have a lot of reason 13 games in to be super optimistic, if I'm being honest. I, I think that there are enough pieces there uh, and enough of a track record with the staff to where this team could figure things out and, and make the NCAA tournament. I do think they could do that. Uh, right now I'm not seeing them trending in that direction. So they're going to have to flip the switch. They can, but it hasn't happened yet. How long until baseball season starts? It gets earlier every year. I wouldn't be surprised to see them play a game in January at some point, but I, I think it's usually around, what, Valentine's Day, maybe maybe the weekend before. Hog fan red says, "What do you what do you think? That's a hell of a follow up question here. What do you think we have going for us that we can build on? Um, you know, I, I think you've got some pieces, right? And and we knew that coming into the season, this team's got a lot of talent, and it's about putting it together. I mean, you do have one of the best scorers in the SEC, the leading steals man, and JD Note. That's a start." You've got some guys who have really contributed in, in high-level, meaningful moments in the past, and Devo Davis, Jalen Williams. Uh, you know, how can you complement those guys? How can you continue to get Jackson Robinson to emerge and progress? Because it seems like he's kind of on the fast track to be a breakout guy for you. And then it's just about putting it all together. You know, uh, I think this team has started to shoot the ball better from the perimeter. And I know they were, what was it, eight of. 8 of 27 or something last night. It wound up not being very good. It was just under 30%. Uh, but they were 8 of 19, and then they missed their last 8 kind of in desperation mode time. Uh, so, you know, in that first 30 minutes or so of the game, um, you know, the shot selection there was better. They were getting a lot of those catch-and-shoot looks. And this is without, you know, J.D., who leads the team in makes from three, and, and Chris, who is one of your higher percentage guys, he was only 1 of 4, so as other guys getting involved, Jacks hit a couple, Wade, uh, we mentioned, you know, a Mude hitting two, that could be big for you. Aldis Tony with a catch and shoot. Those are guys who can help supplement some makes from three there 
And, and if they can just be a threat, I've said it a hundred times from beyond the arc, well, all of a sudden, uh, teams have to spread out a little bit more and respect it. And that opens up those driving lanes that, you know, just haven't been there in some of these games. So, you know, some things to build on. And, uh, you know, again, there are no off nights in the SEC. None of these games coming up are going to be easy, but you do avoid the top end of the conference for the most part uh, until February. So if they can if they can take baby steps and get just a little bit better every game, they can still find ways to win and have themselves in a good position when it's, you know, you've got like seven quad one games in the final eight or something crazy. Danny West. Imagine a world where Danny West is asking me a question. I'm humbled. He says, is there a scenario in which we look back on this run and go, wow, hard to believe this team in the Sweet 16 was playing that poorly in December. Yeah. I mean, there, there, sure, there is that scenario where that could happen. I, I think, um, you know, a lot of things would need to occur at this point for that to take place. But look, you know, at the end of the day, there's been so much inconsistency consistency with this team and, you know, players who just quite frankly um, haven't played that well yet. Uh, so, you know, if you get the Mississippi State version of Stanley Amude consistently and you get the Cincinnati and Kansas State version of Audis Tony consistently to go with J.D. and Devo and Jalen Williams, and then you've got Jackson Robinson emerging. Okay, yeah, then you're on to something. Uh, so, you know, I, I think on any given day, this team's capable of beating anybody, right? But they've got to be able to play better consistently, and that, that goes from, you know, game to game and within the game, from half to half. You know, we keep we see all these, it's just been a roller coaster ride for the most part. So, yeah, I think that could happen. The key is to figure it out, be playing your best basketball once you get to March, get in the tournament, and then we know it's all about matchups and all bets are off. Z Beeler one, one of my favorites. Says, How excited are you for next year? It's Nick Smith, freshman of the year. I mean, it's, it's going to be pretty cool to see the group coming in. You're always excited when you got some in-state guys coming in. You think about Nick and Darian and Joseph Pinion. Um I, I really like Barry Dunning and obviously Jordan Walsh. We all know I've, I've been the president of his fan club since, you know, this time last year. So uh, I think it's a really good group coming in. You have to be patient with them. You know, this is a group of veterans this season, and it's taken them a while to figure it out. So there, there's going to be some growing pains. Uh, but, man, they're going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to be exciting. And, you know, quite honestly, uh, you know, Nick Smith has just been <laughs> – out of his mind. Is anybody watch what this guy was doing at the King Cotton Classic the last few days? Um, he's going to be a, a big-time scorer, big-time player for this Razorback team. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited about it. You know, you, you wonder who all is going to come back. You, you think about guys like Devo and, and Jalen coming back as upperclassmen, Jackson Robinson with another year under his belt. Um, and then, you know, what are they going to add in the portal? Because like we said earlier, they're probably going to be – Pretty uh, pretty selective with that, and, and they're going to be looking for major impact pieces. Uh, so, it, you know, it's going to be fun to watch, no doubt about it. Graybuck5 says, is matchup zone possible with Muss? Probably not. <coughs> I mean, you know, we did we saw a little bit of it during non-conference play last year. Um, so I, I guess he's not completely unwilling to do it, but he's been 99% man-to-man uh, -man most of his career. I mean, maybe they start showing some of that to mix it up. I think they'll try some other things within their man or, or maybe pressing, trapping, uh, making some tweaks here and there before they go that route, but we'll see. PSE Hog says, why do you think the Hogs are performing poorly after seven months playing together? Do you think they're just a bad combination of guys that aren't compatible? Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that's the million-dollar question. I, You know, if I had the answer to that, I'd probably be on staff right now. Uh, you know, it, it is. It's interesting. Um, you think about how last year's group came together during all the things going on with COVID where they were really limited uh, with their ability to not just be on the floor together but just bond 
with one another. And that hasn't been the case this year. These guys have been together since May um, reports and, and it wasn't fluff. You know, they, they were excited about this group throughout the course of the summer. Um, and I'm sure they still are, but yeah, it, it has been interesting uh, that it hasn't really clicked just yet. Um, so I don't know. I mean, that you know, there's still 17 games of, of SEC play for them to figure it out and, and come together. Um, but but you're right. You know, it, it is interesting and it is a concern that uh, we are at this point and it hasn't happened yet. Doesn't mean it won't, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. Alma Razorback says, personally, I think this team's biggest problem is the lacking uh, combo of length and athleticism. Uh, like last year you had Justin Smith at 6'7 with strength and elite athleticism. Tate and Moody both at 6'6 with long arms, high basketball IQ. Uh, really changed what the team could do defensively. We already have some in the signing class, but surely the priority this offseason is going to be adding more length and athleticism to the roster. Yeah, we, we talked about that. I agree. Um, and, yeah, that, I think that's what made that team so special. You know, you've got a guy like Jalen Tate who – Typically, he's guarding the other team's point guard, uh, but you could switch him onto a power forward, and because he's 6'6 with a 6'9 wingspan, he's fine. Same thing with Moses Moody, right? He could guard twos, threes, fours. Justin Smith could guard a center. You could switch him onto a point guard, and he'd be fine. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that team could do more things in that regard defensively. That doesn't mean this group can't be good on the defensive end of the floor, Um but I think just in terms of what, what Musselman likes to do, uh, it's definitely a better fit in that regard last year. Okay. I'm going to get over to the chat now, see what you guys got going on. Let me scroll up here. <coughs> uh, Joey Moses says, what happened to Johnson? I assume you're talking about Kamani. Um, again, I... It's, it's not really for me to get into those details, but, uh, you know, had an incident, is, is suspended indefinitely, and, and right now that's all we know. Uh, we asked Muss about it last night. He didn't want to comment on it. Um, I don't know how long the suspension is going to last or, or if he'll be allowed to return. We'll just have to see. Michelle Rava says, uh, what do you think they need to focus on at practice now? to move forward and, and get some wins now that we're in SEC play. Um, yeah, I hit on that a little bit earlier too, and I, I think I think it does start with just getting that competitive fire back and just playing, you know, full tilt, 110% uh, on the floor. And Because when you do that, first of all, it's fun to watch, but then good things start to happen, Right. When the, the diving on the loose balls and you start winning more of those 50-50s, you get more opportunities in transition. Um, you know, when you're playing good defensively, it can really fuel your offense. So I, I think finding that, I'm not sure how you do it, um, but I think that's a start. And, and then some of the other things, you know, what do they need to do to be able to defend dribble penetration better? Uh, how can they – kind of eliminate some of those clunky stretches offensively. I think it might be just forcing the issue by calling more plays and, and kind of forcing these guys to execute as a collective unit. Um, maybe I'm crazy. I don't know. But that's probably what I would where I would start, at least. Cody Lewis says, likes as quick as lightning, but turns the ball over way too much. KK isn't playing with confidence because as soon as he – does one thing wrong, he's benched, needs extended minutes, agree. Um, mm, we'll see. I don't know. You know, likes, he is quick. Uh, he really hasn't turned it over that much. I mean, he had four last night. I think he's got like 16 or so total on the season. He's probably third, fourth, fifth on, on the team in turnovers. But I think it's the combination of well, for one, usually when he makes them, they come at bad times. It's like live ball turnovers that that go for layups on the other end, um, and then uh, some of the poor shot selection, those those heavily contested mid ranges and stuff. That's almost like a turnover. Um, so I agree there, and you know, with KK, I mean, you know, yeah, he he gets pulled out. You know, if he if he does some things wrong, he I mean, he has he's he's had some struggles with. Uh, 
on the defensive end, just in terms of, of his assignment and, you know, kind of getting lost a little bit off the ball. And that's, that's not anything that other guys haven't done. Um, but man, I mean, he, he got to start, um, he's gotten double digit minutes the last couple games. I don't think he's played poorly, but, uh, I don't, I don't, he, I don't know that he's necessarily done anything to really warrant an extended role other than other guys just not playing great. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if, if they want to give him an extended role, I'm cool with that. I'd, I'd like to see what he does with it, but I'd also like to see him uh, maybe do a better job of taking advantage of the opportunities that he has been getting. I mean, last night was a golden opportunity. If, if you think about it, J.D. Note's out. He's unavailable. Devo's going to the bench for the you know final 10 minutes of the first half. And, uh, you know, that was really an opportunity to kind of come in uh, and, and grab the reins and roll with it. And, again, he, he was fine, but... Um, you know, didn't do anything that really jumped off the page for me. So, uh, hopefully, you know, with, with getting, you know, double digit minutes, last couple games, uh, starting to get in there more consistently, uh, you know, it's going to be on him to find some comfort there. And hopefully he does, because I, again, I do think he can help this team. Uh, I do think he profiles as a guy that can help facilitate. I think he's a guy that can help him shooting, uh, from three point range. So, um, I think it's a you know a combination of you want to see him get more opportunities, but he also needs to take advantage of the ones that he gets so he can get those increased opportunities. Dustin Hoofman says, I didn't expect much from this year, but Musselman has talent coming uh, that should turn it back around quickly. You didn't expect much this year? I mean they were they were top 15 or whatever in the country coming into the season. And a lot of that is based off what they did last year. I guess that's kind of how it works. But, I mean, you had three starters and, and four major contributors coming back from an Elite Eight team and uh, guys with a lot of proven track records coming in from the portal. So, I I, I mean, my expectations were high. Um, they do have talent coming in. Uh, could turn it back around and quickly. But, again, it, it's a lot of freshmen. So we know there's going to be some growing pains there. You know, in, in terms of them figuring it out, we'll see what they add in the portal. Uh, but I do think it's going to be a really exciting team next year. It could be a special one. It's a little bit different, too, in basketball. You know, in football, you don't you don't see a lot of freshmen, right, true freshmen playing the SEC unless they're really special. Um, just because, of, you know, you got – I mean, it takes a while to develop physically to get ready for that. Uh, basketball is a little bit different in the story when you, when you talk about one-and-dones and – uh, you know, the, the way these guys compete, uh, you know, at, on the EYBL circuit, Peach Jam and things like that. So, yeah, they're going to have a couple guys uh, coming in on that freshman class that are going to be pretty tough. And, and, and they're going to push for some big-time immediate roles. James and Phillips says, Vanover should be scoring at least 20 points a game and blocking a lot of shots. He roams the paint, but nobody passes to him. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Uh, last night where, you know, last year Vanover, he played against the same Mississippi State team with a lot of the same front court players, the same slowed down tempo and style of play. He played like 30 minutes. He had 13 points, eight rebounds. Like he was a huge reason why Arkansas beat Mississippi State last year. So I, I thought, you know, we know that things are very matchup dependent for Connor. If Mississippi State's not a good matchup for him, then who is? Uh, I really thought that he would play a bigger role in that game, especially with Arkansas, you know, a little shorthanded in the front court, uh, you know, in the second half, struggling around the rim. He never got back in there. But, you know, he he, he was in early and uh, you know, grabbed a board, kind of missed a missed a little put back there, and, and we didn't really see much from him. Made I, one bad pass that I remember uh, where he kind of fumbled it and it got stolen, but um, – yeah, I, I don't know. Just not bring it. And he was really effective early in the season, too, around the basket. And, again, against some decent competition. Those teams in Kansas City were big, long, physical. Uh, and he, he was a key part of what Arkansas had going on there. So I don't, I don't know. It's kind of hard to pinpoint that one, too. Dustin Hoofman says, my wild card uh, and for defensive star and being able to turn – that into offense is Stanley Mude. Yeah, I, mean, I tell you what, um, you know, you look for silver linings 
uh, you know, after tough losses. And, and that was definitely him. Um, he's really athletic. And, you know, I, I like that he can score in the post. Uh, usually, especially if he gets his feet set, uh, he can knock down that mid-range and, you know, hit a couple threes last night and starting to spread the floor. So when Arkansas brought him in, they thought, man, this is going to be a dude who's a, a three-level scorer that we can run plays for. And, you know, it hasn't panned out consistently yet. But, I mean, last night was a pretty good sign. And, um, you know, if he's a guy that, that can improve defensively, and he's made some plays, uh, but he's I think he's been a little unsure in the system early on. And uh, so that's kind of why he's been getting hit, you know, popped on, on the three-point line a little bit. Uh, and then just, you know, with everybody else, just a little bit better footwork on the ball. Uh, you know, turning those straight line drives and, and making these guys take angles into help a little bit more. That'll that'll prevent Arkansas from having to overhelp, which leads to those kickout threes. So, um, yeah, I, I think he could be a, a decent little wild card pick there. Andrew Sawyer says, how worried are you? You know, I really, you know, even up until... Christmas, even after the Oklahoma loss, the Hoster loss, uh, my optimism was, was still pretty high. And, 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 you know, again, I know like Arkansas typically doesn't win at Mississippi state. They were without some guys. So, you know, what did you expect? I, I, but it still kind of increased my concern levels a little bit because man, you just keep seeing more of the same. And, uh, it just, it, it's hard to describe other than to say it just doesn't feel right at the moment. So, you know, and then I, I couldn't sleep last night, so I was running through a lot of these other SEC games, uh, watching LSU and Auburn, watching uh, Kentucky, watching um, Alabama and Tennessee, and I think that might have me a little bit more worried right now because all of those teams are further along right now than Arkansas is. And that doesn't mean that they're significantly more talented than Arkansas or that they're, you know, that, that the Hawks can't make up ground, but that's like five or six teams right there who are, they're just better <laughs> than Arkansas right now. Uh, and I didn't really expect to say that going into the season. So uh, a lot of work to be done. Uh, how worried am I? Uh, scale of one to 10, probably at about a six right now. And, and really, I wasn't sweating it too much uh, going into the holiday. It's probably a, a four. So Cedric White says, we need the certified big. Yeah, I'd sign me up for that. It was interesting. I, I thought that maybe they were going to add one late in portal season. They do have an open scholarship. Uh, and it just seemed like, you know, maybe beefing up the front court a little bit would have been the move to make. But they also like to keep, you know, one open if possible. Cedric White also says, do you believe they should have likes play a lot more without the ball, have him move instead of being ball dominant? Yeah, I mean, they did that a lot over the summer in practice. They they had him running off of screens and getting catch-and-shoot looks from three, and I'm trying to remember how much of that we've seen uh, during the season. Um, you know, and that kind of coincided with getting Devo integrated at the point guard position. So, I think you want a guy like Likes to have some freedom to create. But if he's going to be one of your better perimeter shooters, you need to be able to free him up for some of those looks to get him some high quality shots. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I think we would be seeing more of Chris Likes to answer your question. I think we would be seeing more of Chris Likes moving around off the ball if there was a more clear answer right now with the point guard position and if this team had better flow and continuity because I think what's happening especially when they're playing from behind is these guys aren't connected enough right now to where maybe it's Chris maybe it's Devo maybe it's JD but somebody gets that ball and is like man I I gotta get us a bucket and I don't I don't think it's selfish basketball or whatever so much as guys just not really understanding what their roles are yet Andrew Sawyer says Trey Wade needs to be a leader. Yeah, you know what? He's got a voice uh, that resonates, I think. He seems like one of those guys that can command a room, um, veteran. 
I could see him being that guy. I mean, Arkansas would benefit from him playing better, but hey, he's kind of integrated himself into that starting lineup. Uh, and so maybe, you know, by playing more, he could be a guy that can grab the attention of some folks. Josh Wilbank says, hey, Curtis, hey, what's going on? David Boss says, red, red flags flying when we're not to January and kids not even on campus are being talked about. Yeah, but, I mean, come on now. It's the number two recruiting class, signing class in the country. That's worth being excited about. Even if Arkansas was undefeated right now, I'd be I'd be pumped about that group coming in. I get what you're saying, though. It's funny. David Boss also says, Amude needs to be out there 20 to 25 minutes per game. It, it'd be nice if he could give you that consistently. I continue to expect him to get into the starting lineup and stay there. But he's gotten that opportunity a couple times and hasn't hasn't had the best games when he has. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Josh Wilbank says they... Uh-oh. Rolling off there. They did not play good the first... They did not play good the first half. They tried too many three-point shots. Uh, yeah, at least they were making them, though. And I, like I said earlier, I don't think either team really played well uh, in the first half. I, I think some of that's just just by nature of uh, the way Mississippi State plays. But I do think you know Arkansas probably figure without JD that scoring was going to be a little bit of a premium. So you need to kind of make it clunky, make it ugly uh, to sneak out with a road win. I think that was some of it. But hey. You know, they, they got they got in the half, you know, only down two points, you know, with an opportunity to win the game in the second half before the wheels fell off. So I'd, I'd take that first half over the second at least. David Voss says this team needs a Jalen Tate, don't have one. Yeah, we, we talked about Tate and just his importance. That's why it was interesting, I thought, when uh, when Arkansas brought Chris Likes in. I, I like Chris Likes, and especially, you know, what he did – at Miami, but it just kind of seems like, you know, Musselman's kind of made his calling card on taking those guys who were, you know, maybe not your traditional build of a point guard, just longer uh, defensive-minded guys like a Tate, like a Jimmy Witt, and really having a lot of success with them. So I did find that interesting at the time. Boss said, had a chance to catch Texas Tech in person, they would smoke us. Oh, a lot of teams would right now, but uh, yeah, yeah. Hey, Texas Tech is good. I think Mark Adams is a good coach down there. Uh, they got a couple guys out of the portal uh, that I was really hoping Arkansas would get. Kevin O'Banner, the the Oral Roberts forward, is one of them. Uh, we remember talking about him a lot, and then and then Bryson Williams and others. Two guys uh, who are you know six seven, six eight. They're big. They rebound. They can they can space the floor and shoot threes, and and that's why I thought you know this team could have really benefited from, but they went more, uh, I think, more wing-oriented with guys like Tony and, and Stanley Mude instead. And David says, I, I like CV. Uh, Arkansas needs a 610-611 aircraft carrier that checks the boxes. <laughs> aircraft carrier, I like that. Yeah, it seems like I think we're all in agreement that uh, this team would benefit a little bit more from having some some length. Right, added length in the front court. They've got some of those long, long arms on the wing, but um, you know, you think about if Connor is going to be a matchup dependent guy. Uh, Jalen Williams is big, physical, does a, a lot of things really well, but in terms of length and you know athleticism, not maybe so much. And then you know Trey Wade and Kamai Johnson are more physical, undersized, banger type players. So yeah, getting getting the you know one of those. Six nine, six ten, crazy wingspan guys to compliment them would be nice. David Voss, yeah. Uh, could the staff turnover have any bearing on chemistry? Um, I wonder about that. Some, uh, you know, I, especially with some of the returners. Maybe you know, I, I don't know how strong a, the relationship was between guys like Devo and, and Jalen and JD with. Uh, a Corey Williams or a David Patrick. Um, but I sure do like the guys they got. I mean, Gus Arginal seems like a he's, – he, I mean, he is. He's just a really super personal 
personable guy. Um, you know, he's young, he's energetic. I think that vibes well with the players and, and key smart. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been a head coach for three NBA teams, you know, a guy that commands respect, uh, you know, that has kind of, you know, swallowed, swallowed his pride a little bit. It's not easy to go ask Muss to go from being an NBA head coach to, to a college assistant. Um, you know, I, I just think it's so valuable to have that. So I, I think they've got a really nice staff put in place, but when it changes every year that, you know, those are new voices, uh, new voices with new ideas and new thoughts. So, um, I don't know. I don't know if it does or not. I, I could certainly see how it could. Then final one here, Josh Wilbanks says it, it's still early, but they'll come back and get, and get in sync. I, I hope so. I, I, I think they can, uh, you know, listen, a lot to work on and, uh, certainly not, not pretty at the moment, but, uh, that's okay. You know, keep the faith definitely on a struggle bus right now, but I, you know, I, I do still think we're a couple weeks away from really having to think about pressing the panic button or anything like that. The next three games, uh, I think are, are kind of make or break for you. You know, those are three wins that Arkansas needs to pick up, uh, Vanderbilt, Texas A&M, Missouri, not going to be easy. Uh, but if you're going to compete in the top half of the league, those are games that you win. Uh, so I think those are really important. I guess that about wraps us up. Hey, listen, we've got the Outback Bowl coming in a couple days. That's exciting. I'm looking forward to that one. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Trey's down there in Tampa. He's been throwing out walking talks every day. And I don't know if he's got anything going on uh, with that today or, or the next day. But I know he's enjoying it down there. Arkansas and Penn State, it's going to be exciting. Uh, see these guys get after it one more time. It's been a special year for the football program. So enjoy that. Enjoy that. Happy New Year to everybody. Appreciate you joining in. Appreciate all the questions and comments as always. And uh, we will be back uh, after the Vanderbilt game next week. And until then, it's been Curtis Wilkerson. Appreciate you guys like always. This has been Hog Hoops Live. <laughs>